0: Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled Power, and it is part of the Open to the Spirit Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now... Here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we got a great service today, as you can see, and, and uh, God has really been good to us as a church and, and us as individuals. Um, I want to thank you all. Many of so many of you participated in the reveal survey, and uh, I, I, uh, I actually did it myself. And uh, uh, after last Sunday, or Sunday before last. Uh, by the way, I hope you're not bitter that you had to get out of your pajamas and go to church today. <laughs> but that was fun, wasn't it? You know? What I really enjoyed uh, more than anything was it having everybody talking to each other. It was like, I wish we could do that on Sunday morning, but it would be very confusing. Some of you do, <laughs> you're texting each other at the middle of service. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Yes, uh, I I, I went into to do the survey, and I, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be it's going to be clunky, and sometimes the uh, Willa Creek—they're not the best at their interfaces—and I was all grouchy. And it was so easy to do. So if you haven't done it because you're like, oh, I don't do like digital stuff well, and why can't they just give me a piece of paper? And, and uh, the reason is, it's so hard to accumulate, to mass the data, and. By doing it this way, they do all the formulas for us, see? So if we do it by paper, it just not, doesn't work. So uh, if you're one of those kind of holdouts, you're a, a, a late adopter, you know, you're not an early adopter of new ideas, you're a late adopter and you haven't done it, I would just love if you'd go out to the uh, lounge there today in the middle of the gym and do the survey. It only takes. took me about 10 minutes. Uh, some people, I guess, are more thoughtful than I am, it took them 20, so, but uh, I just not that thoughtful I guess so I just did it in ten and uh, but it's really great question it's going to help us as a church because we want to get better at what we do we want to serve you better we want to give you an opportunity to serve better and uh, really make sure we're not just being glorified social uh, di- social directors social activity directors but that we're really moving you toward Christ likeness and we're really moving you toward being more involved in the kingdom of God because that's you're going to spend eternity not with the matters of this kingdom. Eternity is going to be spent with matters of the eternal kingdom. And so you're going to spend just a little speck of your life and, you know, it's an infinitesimal part of your life in this life, and most of it you're going to spend in eternity. And eternity you're not going to be floating around in a cloud playing a harp. You're going to be engaged. It's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth and so that's what we're preparing for. So please help us do that today. Okay, I want to get into the message and uh, look in, uh, well, we'll look at some scripture in a minute. But first, I just want to say that um, what I think what led me to this series, because I read the book Open to the Spirit uh, by uh, Scott McKnight, and that impacted me. But really, more than anything else, it was the very, these are very difficult times to be a communicator uh, of truth. Uh, Every every single week, I have to try to think through almost everything I'm going to say, and think about how are you going to take that. Is that going to sound too political? Is that going to sound too this? Is that going to be? And you just don't. It's not that it's not that you're. It's not that you don't want to tell the truth, and it's not that you or, or, or just don't want to never ever offend anybody. But these days, there's so many hornet's nests that you can hit, and you spend your whole week. Answering emails and talking to people, and you—you you didn't even maybe you didn't even mean it that way, because we're, we're just in a weird time. And 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 here's here's the difference that I see for me, and and for us who lead churches, we've always had, and I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but we've always had leaders that we could look to. For the past. 30 years of my life, there's always been somebody. It was a uh, Rick Warren, uh, Purpose Driven Church. I, I can do that. Bill Hybels and Seeker Friendly Church. and uh, different, different leaders that we could, we, could, uh, we could sort of look to. Uh, before that, there was what they call the charismatic movement. And there were a whole group of leaders in the charismatic movement. And, but you know, right now, I, I don't know who I, I would look to to say, that's the elder of the church. That's the great apostle that I can look to. And it, it occurred to me about a year ago, I felt like one day the Lord said to me, how about the Holy Spirit? How about start seeking the Holy Spirit for, for your church? Because I'll, I'll admit, I w- maybe I was lazy uh, at times. I would, ah, Heibels put this thing together. That'll work for my church. We'll, we'll put Bethany Community Church on it instead of Willow Creek. Instead of, uh, instead of saddleback, and it will work fine. And, and it did. I mean, we, we, we saw some great results with those things. But we're in a, we're in a time, I, you know what I think? This is my theory, that God's got us right where he wants us. I think God's got the church and God's got people right where he wants us, where we're going to come back and say, uh-oh, we have to be led by the Spirit. We don't know what to say, what message to send, I don't know if I want to talk about this this Sunday because this group will be upset and that group will be. Up. What if we What if we get the mind of the spirit? And that, so that's I, I and and I'm I'm so excited. I hate to quit the series today. I don't want to stop it. I really want to preach on the spirit for the rest of the year because the Holy Spirit's been so neglected. I realize that. I just realized that I have neglected the Holy Spirit. You know, I've and I don't mean neglecting. Pentecostal-style worship. That's not what I'm talking about at all. And and, and I like Pentecostal-style worship. I'm not knocking it. But I'm not talking about neglecting a style of worship or things that used to happen in our service. And I'm going to talk about that later in the sermon. I'm talking about neglecting the Holy Spirit, the person who wants to lead and guide and speak to us and, 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 and has a plan for Bethany Community Church that's unique to us. It's the planning has for our church. And maybe he doesn't have it for another church in the world. That's okay. My, my, so my recommitment is that there is a, there's a third baptism. There's a baptism in water. Also there's the baptism into Christ the Bible talks about. And there's a spirit baptism when we become open to the spirit. So I can lay a lot of speculative dogmatisms aside even about the Holy Spirit. But I can't lay aside the idea that we need to engage with the Spirit in particular. Let me, here's the words of one author that really uh, resonated with me. He said, We see a body of men, not only apostles, but all the first disciples, men and women, just like ourselves, and, and that's a really important point right there. Sometimes we think the 120 who went to the upper room in Acts chapter 2 were a bunch of seminary guys and a, bunch of, a room full of pastors. But it wasn't. There were, there were 11 of them who, were, who, were, who were, would be apostles, who had, had been Christ in inner circle. The rest of them were the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. There were people who had regular lives who probably fished and were in medical fields and and all kinds of things. They were they were they were people like you. It was it was like a congregation going to the upper room. It wasn't it wasn't 120 pastors going to a conference, and that's another thing the church is, is we've done. We send all the all of our pastors off to conferences and we try to come home and. Get everybody excited about what somebody else is doing. And it's time for us to go, all of you to go to the conference. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? Amen. Every one of you. We see a body of men, so he says, just like ourselves, tarrying in Jerusalem, gathered together, weak, irresolute, timid, and perplexed. Sounds like the day we live in. Sounds like our times. We hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind. We see the tongues of fire coming down upon that body. What has happened? They have received the spirit of power. These timid, irresolute fishermen and peasants are turned into the world's apostles. They always know henceforth the next thing to do. They face the world with courage and determination. Unknown, unnamed, they go out. A little body full of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And they convert the world. And they really did. I mean you don't understand probably. That western civilization. As we know it today. Owes its positive attributes. To Christianity. That was born in that room. And the writings of apostle Paul. Who would later come along as apostle born out of due season. By the power of the Holy Spirit turn the world, they literally turned the world upside down. Before Pentecost the disciples had intellectual faith, they had spiritual birth, they had divine adoption. Yet what did, what did they not have? Remember? They went to that upper room, what the, what the guy said a while ago. They, were, they went to that upper room. They had, they had all those things that I just mentioned. Intellectual faith, A spiritual birth and they had divine adoption. They had those three things. But they had no power. They were afraid. They were weak. They were irresolute. They didn't know how to go forward. They were not ready to boldly live out their faith. But the openness to the Spirit was the thing that transformed them. It gave them three things that I want to share with you right now. The Spirit's identity, the Spirit's ability, and the Spirit's clarity. The Spirit baptism is when the treasure within can be seen without. In water baptism, which is a great symbolism, your identity is as his child in Christ. In the Spirit. You are His child. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. At at baptism in the Spirit, when you open to the Spirit, your identity is not merely as Christ's child, but your identity is as Christ's ambassador. Christ's representative. In water baptism, we acknowledge your ability to know your Savior. In Spirit baptism... We realize your ability to to be like your Savior. In water baptism, your affiliation becomes clear. In spirit baptism, your assignment becomes clear. One of the reasons we have frustrated Christians is because they have received the presence of God, but not the power of God. The presence of God is comforting in a a sense, but the presence of God is also frustrating. Because the presence of God will make you aware of your weakness. The presence of God will make you aware of your lack of holiness. The presence of God will make you aware of the brokenness of the world around you. The presence of God will remind you of your inadequacy. The presence of God Will remind you of what should be done, but you don't know how to do it. The Spirit of God reminds you of your power and your ability and your potential and gives you the it's the energy of God. The Holy Spirit is the action of God in the earth, right? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I cast out demons by the finger of God. And if you look at the context of that, it's the Holy Spirit he's talking about. When God created the world, the Bible says that earth was without form and void. And God spoke, and it says the Spirit moved on the face of the waters. Throughout the book of Acts, they talk about the move of the Holy Spirit. So let's think about the Spirit's identity first. Genesis 1:27. Says God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. What were they created to be? Divine image bearers, that's it. Divine image bearers who joined God's dominion over darkness. God's image bearers who join God's God's image and dominance over darkness. And meaninglessness of the world that was in. That was our original identity. God ordained a baptism into Christ. A baptism in water. And a baptism in the spirit. To restore us to image bearers. Jesus, See Jesus did not emphasize salvation as an escape from hell. Nearly nearly as much as an entrance into the kingdom of God. That means that God begins His rule in us and through us. Now, how are you going to do that without the Spirit? How are you going to do that without being engaged with the action of God? See, when we're saved, we become His child. But when we become open to the Spirit... And, and that's the phrase I want you to, to, to take home with you today, is open to the Spirit. Because that's the decision I want to call for at the end of the service today. That, you will, that many of you will come forward and be prayed for. And what we're going to pray for is that you will become open to the Spirit. That's your decision today. When we're saved, we become His child. When we become this open to the Spirit, we become His emissaries, His representatives, His messengers, we become His ears, His mouth, His hands, His feet, His ambassadors. At salvation, we need Him. When we become open to the Spirit, He chooses to need us. You want to be used of God? I know you do. You, want to be, you know you're called to be something more than you are. I used to define a spirit-filled church as one that had a lot of manifestations on Sunday. Now I define a spiritual church as one, as one that has a lot of missionaries on Monday. I'm not opposed to manifestations. We, I believe there's a manifestation of the Spirit happening at this moment. Manifestation of the Spirit is a word of faith, a word of wisdom, a word of re- Revelation. Those things are happening. They may not be happening in the style that you saw if you, grew up, if you grew up like some of you did, and I did, in a Pentecostal or a charismatic church. Styles change. The way we do things change. I study, I, I read 1 Corinthians 14. It gives me a lot of directions about what I believe God wants us to do in terms of, the, of manifestations. But I, don't, I no longer say that church is spirit-filled because a lot, because people are jumping up and down on Sunday morning. I say that church is spirit filled if they're witnessing to their neighbors on Monday morning. And they're serving the community on Monday morning. The identity of the spirit means the power in us is now on us. Now, I'm going to go back. I, I actually accidentally skipped over 1 8, but I've, I've used it so much and I can't. I can't I can't get away from Acts one eight in this series. I, I thought I was going to go all over the place, and I just couldn't. Every time I would go back every week and read Acts one, I would something I didn't we didn't say about that that needs to be said. Acts one eight says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses." Now, now, now that's very, very, very important that you catch that. He said. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. Uh, If you go back and you read in the Gospels, there's a place where Jesus said to his disciples, or the Bible said, the writer said, that that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So When Jesus says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. So the Holy Spirit had taken up residence. The person, the voice, the, the presence of God had taken up residence in their heart the Holy Spirit was in them, but he was not on them. It had not transformed their personalities yet. But now, the identity of the Spirit means the power in us is now on us. These clothes I'm wearing are not me. But they cause you to make an identity judgment about me. If I, if I, if I, if I came up in a, a clerical robe you would identify me uh, as a formal preacher, a formal liturgist. Uh, If I came up in in skinny jeans, you would label me an idiot (laughs) because I'm 63 years old. (laughs) These are slim fit, but they're not skinny (laughs) jeans. If if I came and appeared that I didn't even bother to shower or or put any jello in my hair, and I just had a ripped t-shirt, you would label me sloppy, lazy. If I'm going to be a credible image bearer of Jesus, I need to have something on me that's not of me. I need to have something on me that's not of me. Jacob's mother put goat's hair on her son when he went in to deceive his father, to deceive him into thinking he was his brother Esau. God, and this is so important, God puts the Holy Spirit on us so we we because he knows we need to lose something of our personality. We need to lose. Turn to your neighbor and say, lose we all need to lose something of our personality and have it replaced with the personality of Jesus. I'm glad you got that because that is really important because we all have things in our personality that are not like Jesus things that are personality that keep us from being effective, that keep us from doing the work of God. Maybe you have an impatient personality. Maybe you have a personality that's always trying to bend everyone to your will. Maybe you have a stubborn personality. Maybe you have a quiet personality. Maybe you have a really loud personality. I don't care. Sometimes you need to be Jesus and not you. And some of us will resist the spirit because of this because the spirit will often strive against my personality. I could tell you a bunch of stories about that, but I don't feel I have the time today. It is said of Jesus when he returned after 40 days of temptation, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Now the spirit had descended upon him when he was baptized in water. But he didn't have the power of the spirit when he went to the wilderness of temptation. It was in the wilderness of temptation that he discovered the power of the Spirit and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Then in Luke 4, 18, it reads, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, if Jesus needed something on him that was not of him, how much more do I? If Jesus had to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that's that's what's causing me to do what I do right now. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Notice the transformational dimension of the gospel is evidenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid we've tried to get the the salvation prayer to do what it was never designed to do. And we've neglected to pray the Holy Spirit prayer. We've neglected to say, Holy Spirit, come on me. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. The Holy Spirit's surrender is the surrender that transforms us from the people that we used to be. And I talked to him last week about Simon Peter. I believe it was last week. Simon Peter's cowardice, fear, unless he was with Jesus. Was he with Jesus? He was bold, blurting things out, cutting people's ears off. When he was with Jesus, he was a terror. He, was, he, was, he would take on the whole Roman army. He was with Jesus. When Jesus was gone, he couldn't even admit that he knew him. But when the Holy Spirit came, he acted like he was with Jesus. Something got on him. <laughs> the power on us. Is primarily for others. Christ said that when we become open to the Spirit, you will be witnesses unto me. In other words, this is how I, I used to read that and I would confuse me. Witnesses unto me. Why do I need to witness to you, Lord? I don't need to witness to you because witnessing to me was just an act of going up to someone and saying, would you like to receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? And they would say, yes, you know, usually no. And uh, that was Witnessing. And so, so I, why do I need to witness to you? Witness unto you. And, it, and I, I realized how dumb I was being the other day. I said, like, wait a minute. What God is saying is that when, when you receive the Spirit into your life as that controlling dimension and not just a resident. I like Dr. Cho used to call it, the, who pastors the largest church in the world. The last I knew, they were 625,000 people who are members of that church in Seoul, South Korea. And so that's a good that's a good advertisement for the Holy Spirit. And and Doctor Cho used to say that at salvation he becomes a resident. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit he becomes president. (laughs) So you can say it that way if you want. But witness so so witness unto me means God says okay when 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 you receive the fullness of the Spirit into your life and you begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, and you become open to him, then that's how I see you. You're a witness unto me. That's what you are unto me. There goes one of my witnesses. That person is going to go to work today, and they're going to be a reminder of Jesus when they, work, when they go to the office today. That, 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 that person, when I send them home today, they're gonna re- They're gonna. There are there are times that their family is gonna feel like, oh my goodness, Jesus is living in our house. <laughs> I'm married to Jesus. Witness in in the, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of scriptures we could get into. Of, of, of look it up sometimes. Look up the word witness. And well, you know, today studying is like shooting fish in a barrel. It's just easy. <laughs> You can just just Google a word and put put the word in Scripture, and you get you, you get the whole Bible there. You know, uh, I shouldn't tell you this this in secret because some of you will just go pastor your own church. You'll find out how easy it is. It's just so Google the word witness, Scripture, Old Testament, or something like that. You see all these scriptures where God was, God would have these people something cool would happen, and He'd go set up some stones there, and there'll be a witness. And because what would happen? They set up stones, and there was somehow everybody that come by would go, "What are those stones doing there?" Oh yeah, that was when uh, that was when we defeated the Amalekites, uh, and and we were so outnumbered, and there was no way, and there was like a, a, a couple thousand of us, and there were twenty thousand of them, and God killed them all. It was that 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 that's that's it. Well, at least you could be as powerful as a pile of rocks. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, you, can, you might be a pile of rocks and you will still be powerful because people are going to look at you and go, what happened to you? And you say, well, I, you know that bitter person I used to be? I went down to Bethany Community Church and I got saved and I'm not a bitter person anymore. You know, I, you, you know how I used to drink and be alcoholic and stay out late and spend all the money and I was always, we never could pay the bills and, well, somebody told me about Jesus and I started praying to Jesus and I, I'm not like that anymore. See all you're being is a pile of rocks. But you're reminding people you're a witness unto Jesus. You're a witness and, and the Holy Spirit will energize and animate your testimony. A lot of you have a testimony, but it's not it's not energized. And I and we tell you, come on, tell your story, and we try to get you on video. And you don't know how to tell your story. It's not that you don't know how to tell your story. You don't have the power to tell your story. You don't have the energy. But, but I believe for many of you today, it's going to mark a different day in your life when you're going to get the energy to be what you've always wanted to be. You're going to get the power to be what you've always wanted to be. Uh, I am, boy, I'm way off schedule. i got to, I got to speed up here. We're going to baptize all these people. Spirit's ability. But you will receive power. 2 Timothy 3.5 says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. There's two words for power. One, One means ruler and authority or political power. That's what the disciples were thinking about when they said, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom? They were talking about political power. And I'm telling you, the battle we're in today is not going to be won by political power. Political the political game is not where it's at. I'm not I'm not against politics or you being involved in politics. But 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 the, the need of humankind and the need of the people that are gonna to come to this church, that their need is not political. Some of them think it is, but it's not political. That's why that's why the Lord didn't play that game. Now he, he, he said, there's going to come a time, I am going to restore the kingdom. I am going to restore a political kingdom. But that's not what human, humankind needs. The other word for power means ability, strength, or force. Ability, strength, or force. It, it, we, we, we're reminded of this in Exodus chapter 31 when a, a, a guy there was called to... Create the fixtures for the temple, and the and, and the and the Bible says in Exodus thirty-one three, I have filled him with the spirit of God, in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. God literally put the spirit in Abraham when he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. He put he put a ha in his name. The ha there is the Hebrew the root of the Hebrew word ruha, and ruha means breath, life. Or spirit. God. Because of Abraham's divine assignment. God put the Holy Spirit in him. God put the Holy Spirit in his identity. In his name. He could not say his name. Without mentioning the spirit of God. He could not say his name. Without mentioning the spirit of God. And because of it. He he, he went. For he did not know where he was going. But he was led. And he became the father of a great nation when he was 99 years of age. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit will help your love life, but who knows. (laughs) Intangibles. We talk about intangibles. Tom Brady uh, is... uh, You know, uh, undoubtedly one of the greatest, the greatest, perhaps, to ever uh, play. I think if he wins another Super Bowl, they'll just be, he'll pass Michael Jordan as being the greatest athlete of all time. And what's interesting about Brady is he's not the most athletically gifted. Really mediocre or, or less as far as just athletic talent. But what he's got and, 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 and he makes a, a, a fair amount of mistakes. But he's got an intangible. Something happens to him in the fourth quarter. Something happens to that dude in the fourth quarter, man. It's just like, I told well, uh, Steve Johnson, and I was watching the game, and I said, you know, it's, it looked like they're dominating the first half. I said, they won't, it won't be comfortable in the end. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Don't even think about it. You know? I got to thinking about that. I said, you know, I don't like intangibles. I, I, I don't want to hear people list all the I want to hear people list all the reasons they come to this church. I want you to hear, yes, the preaching is incredible. The worship team, the, the children's ministry, you guys are doing such a fabulous job. I don't want to, I don't want to hear that, but I don't want to hear, well, I don't know why I come here. I just feel led. It just feels right. But I remember one of the great families that became part of our church in Westfield early in my ministry, the Jim family, Richard and Barbara Jim. And I remember when they came to church. And sometime later, they accepted Christ and they became great members. Sometime later, I was asking Rick, what, you... what, what was it when you came? And I, I just knew he was going to say that the sermon. <laughs> he said, well, you know, Phil, I really couldn't understand what in the world you were talking about. He said it was something about the spirit of that place. And, and as I studied and prayed this week, it, it felt like God said, that's what I want for your church. I want the spirit to be preeminent. I want people to come to your church because of the spirit that changes their life And not because of a list of things that you can go tell people. We did these four things. That's why our church grew. We're doing these six things right. That's why our church grew. What if we just say, you know, we just fell on our face and prayed for a move of the Holy Spirit. What if that? I'm concerned that we don't think we need the Spirit. I'm just concerned that we think we can strategize our way. To what God wants. And it's never been true in history. It's, It's like a. It's like a fine automobile. That has a great engine. All the bells and whistles. A great chassis. A great steering system. All the latest. Gadgets that you know, that let you know when when you're getting too close to somebody and all of this stuff and all this artificial intelligence that they're putting into our cars, it's got everything and it's got the highest octane gas that you could possibly put in it. That car is useless without a spark. If there's no spark to ignite the fuel that creates combustion, That car is as useless as just a pile of of plastic. I started to say metal, but they don't make them metal anymore. (laughs) We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit imparts two kinds of blessings, accomplishment and character. Joyful, loving, kind, peaceful, forgiving, wise, confident, holy, full of grace. Those are the abilities of the Spirit. That is what is being referred to in 2 Timothy 3, 5, when it says we've denied the power to make us godly. (coughs) The difference between struggling and soaring is whether or not you're filled with the Spirit. And I want you to know God will never deny you the Spirit. I'm not worried one bit. So are you worried people receive the Spirit? No. I'm not worried one bit that if you ask for the Spirit, you won't get it. That's a prayer. Jay and I were talking about this this week. I said, you know, I have never spent an hour in prayer that I did not meet God. I've I've never gotten alone and shut the doors and prayed for one hour and not felt different and better and about everything in my life. The Spirit is the difference. You may have heard of the name Dwight L. Moody. Uh, you may have seen a plaque. This plaque here is in Boston. It says, Christian evangelist, friend of man, founder of the Northfield Schools, was converted to God in a shoe store on this site, April 21st, 1855. And I, to save my life, I can't remember. It's Court Street, I believe. Court Street in Boston. And uh, Dwight L. Moody is from Northfield, and he, uh, when he was uh, a young man, his uncle uh, gave him a job working in a shoe store in Boston. But one condition is he he had to attend, he had to attend the Mount Vernon Congregational Church. And he went there. A Sunday school teacher convinced him that God loved him, and Moody started became a Christian. And, and they were so doubting of his salvation. In those days, they, they, they were judgy, I guess. They, they so doubted his salvation, they wouldn't even let him be a member for the first year. And after a year, they finally let him become a member. And he started teaching a Sunday school class. And he was so passionate and so hardworking and so loved God. I mean, he just, he, he was amazing. He eventually grew a Sunday school class to 650 uh, you can see, if you drive to Northfield today, some of you know Mount Hermon Preparatory School. Dwight Moody built that. But he ran into an impasse as he began to be invited to speak at different places. He, he ran into a place where he was frustrated with his mediocrity and his inability to reach a group of people and, and all of that. And, and he met two ladies who knew about the Holy Spirit. And they told him, you need the Holy Spirit. And so they taught him, these two older ladies taught him about the Holy Spirit. And he began to ask God for the Holy Spirit. And, and it, one, day, one day, while he was walking up Wall Street in New York City, all of a sudden he was so overcome by the Spirit that he had to get a room and he stayed for hours in that room and he was overcome with such joy and elation in the presence of God that he had to ask God to stop he went there from an invitation to preach in London and, and instead of a dozens coming for salvation hundreds came forward for salvation he ended up preaching to crowds of 20 and 30,000 people and he said i was never the same and it is his words, I was never the same after that day. I was baptized in the Spirit. The Moody Bible Institute, named after him, claims that he was the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. And we don't often hear about his encounter with the Holy Spirit. Another, another person whose Holy Spirit encounter is not talked about is Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a young preacher, uh, went to school in Tampa, Florida, Young preacher, zealous, had a pretty good communication gift. But again, he was mediocre. He happened to be in England one time, and he heard a guy named Stephen Alford. You haven't heard of Stephen Alford, but people that, insider people inside, deep, deep inside the church, know Stephen Alford. Because Stephen Alford was a prince of preachers, and a, a teacher of preachers. And uh, he heard Stephen Alford teach on the Holy Spirit. And Billy Graham went up to him afterwards and said, I have to know more about the Holy Spirit. I need that. And they began to talk. He went to Stephen Alford's home. And they, they talked and prayed for a day. Then they went into a second day. And in the words of Stephen Alford, on the second day, all heaven broke loose in that dreary little room. And Billy Graham's preaching was never the same. His preaching was never the same because of the ability of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're not. I, I need some contemporary stories, but we've neglected the Holy Spirit for so many years that I don't have any. But I'm going to get some stories. Give me a few months, and I'm going to have some stories of you. You, 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 you. you might not go preach to thousands of people. We're in a different era. We're not in the era of Billy Graham. We're not in the era of Dwight L. Moody. We're no longer in the era of, of mass evangelism. We're no longer in the area of, of stadiums being filled with people hearing the gospel. But, we're, we're, but, but the Holy Spirit is always in the era of, of energizing people to do God's work. We're we, we always in the era. And I'm, I am excited to figure out how is God going to do it in the 21st century. After they prayed, the Spirit's clarity. After they prayed, the praise for their meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldness comes from clarity. I have little trouble with courage if I have clarity. Acts 4 describes a time after the disciples had been arrested and beaten for preaching the gospel. Their confidence was low. That's what we just read about. They didn't have a strategy meeting. They had a prayer meeting. There's nothing wrong with strategy. I'm not criticizing strategy. But we usually deal with times of confusion by brainstorming. But they knew that the source of clarity in their life was the spirit. Linda Porch uh, over here was sharing with me a few days ago that a group of ladies, and some of you ladies are here, went to a ladies' retreat where someone, the speaker, talked about processing instead of processing. That's what it means to be open to the Spirit. You elevate processing over processing. It's called hearing from heaven. I said it's called hearing from heaven. The Old Testament priests they would have these things, these stones on their on their breastplate when they would go in before God. They're called the urim and the thummim. You may have heard of it. They would light up. We don't know exactly how they worked, but it was the way they got direction. And that's the Holy Spirit in your life. And Another thing they would do is they would wear a bell and a pomegranate alternately, alternately around the bottom of their robe. And the priest would go in to offer the sacrifice before God. And if he was not holy, he would be killed in the presence of God. And they, they would have a rope tied around his foot, in, in his ankle, in case he wasn't worthy to, give, to present the sacrifice as a great high priest. And they would listen As he's offering the sacrifices, they would listen outside the tabernacle to hear the bell and the pomegranate hitting against each other and making a noise. And they would listen for the sound. They would listen for the sound. And when they heard the sound, some guy right outside the tabernacle would go, He lives. And they would go back through the crowd. He lives. He lives. He lives. He lives. lives." That bell, palm granite, those, those, th- that sound. Is it any accident on the day of Pentecost? It says there was a sound. There was a sound as a mighty, mighty rushing wind. You know what that sound said? That sound said when the Holy Spirit arrived, the sound of the Spirit said he lives. He lives. He lives. The great high peace priest Jesus has gone into the holiest of holies. He has offered Himself as our sacrifice and our sins have been forgiven and we are armed with the good news that will save the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing is more matter of fact than the means of opening your life up to the Spirit. It's so easy, you're all, a lot of you are missing it. Jesus didn't intend that the Spirit-filled and the Spirit-led life would be for only a few people, only a few preachers. He intended it to be the norm of the Christian life. We're the ones who've made it hard. I have a theory that the reason the adversary has persuaded us not to stress the power of the Spirit as, and, and, and get us open to the Spirit is he knew it would be so easy for us to enter into it. So he's made us do stuff that's hard instead of that which would, would have been the most restful. Do you hear what I'm saying? That which would have been most restful. Why is it that we can, we can get you to work, and we don't want to change that? Work is good. Work is of God. But it's hard to get you to pray. Because you see, work though that's productive, and you should, because work is holy. Work is great. But prayer, when we work we work when we pray God works so I'm expecting you to come out and pray tonight I'm expecting Friday night I'm expecting that this church will be filled on Friday night I'm expecting that all of you will be back Friday night for the most incredible worship service that we have ever had it's going to be family night, church family, not family like in your kids. You bring your kids, yes, but but not that kind of family. It's church family night. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we might misbehave Friday night, okay? Because we're going to invite the family. We're not going to invite the the unsaved and the and the out unchurch. We're not going to invite them Friday night. You say, well, that's rude. Well, they didn't get invited to the upper room. They. they They didn't get invited to the upper room. The insiders got invited to the upper room. Friday night's insiders night at Bethany. All right? We're going to believe for a move of the Spirit. How's it work? Luke 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? Instead... Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's, all, that's the only way I know how to do it. To say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come in your fullness. However you want to word it, he understands. We're going to get ready to move into water baptism. After baptism, I'm going to invite everybody forward who says, I want to be open to the Spirit. And we're just going to pray for you as we clo- uh, in closing our service today. But right now, we're really excited about following the Lord in water baptism.
2: So pastor's going to go uh, get ready. But um, for those that don't know what we're about to do, um, we are going to be um, doing really one of the, like I said before, one of the great honors. Of um, the Christian faith, which is really baptizing people, and we're super excited. We got, uh, I think, seven or six or seven people today that are going to be baptized. So here's what I encourage you guys to do: as people are being baptized, um, you know, <clears throat> feel free to clap, feel free to fill this place with some excitement and joy because we want to let them know like, we really appreciate it. Um. If you've never been to a baptism service like this, if you've never um, seen how we do it, we, we, we're we full immersion baptism. And and we do this because we want to really emulate what Christ himself did. And I was thinking about this as kind of we were getting prepped. And I, I was imagining, like, can you imagine being John the Baptist? And Jesus Christ walks up to you, he's like, will you baptize me? Like, John was like, no, uh, no. No. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, I have to do it. I have to be obedient and do this. And like, what a Savior we have to show the humility. Like, uh, like how many we, we can't even like give people compliments at our jobs if, if we feel insecure around them. And Jesus is willing to go up and just participate in, in baptism and really humble himself. And so they, we believe, you know, not only are we emulating Jesus by doing this, Um, because, you know, Jesus did it, so we should do it, too. Um, But we're telling the world something. We're telling them, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus did this. I want to, and like, it really represents not just what we're doing in that pool, but what we want to be doing outside. And I think Pastor's message was so poignant when it comes to um, this kind of thing that happens. It's not just a symbol that we're showing you. It's not just a really um, inspiring ceremony. Um, But it's supposed to be something that shows the type of life that we live outside of the pool. And so, you know, if you've been baptized, here's what I would love you to get out of this. I'd love you to remember that choice. Think about it, really, and, and apply a message like we heard today into that moment, which is, you know... Not only was I baptized there, but I'm continually being baptized in the Spirit. And this represents being made new. But we have the opportunity to be made new every day through the baptism of the Spirit. And so we're super excited. um, And we cannot wait. So like I said... We're going to invite these people forward. We're going to watch a little video of everybody just hearing their little testimony. And um, and I just want to give a video and photo, guys, super credit today. They whipped this up at around 920. And so they did all this today. And we're going to hear from all the people being baptized. And then we're going to, obviously, get to experience their baptism. And then we're going to just celebrate. And then pastors can invite you forward. And so I want you to kind of prep your heart. As you're watching this, God's going to speak to some of you and you're going to be like, I need that in my life every day. I need the baptism of the Spirit in my life every day. So without further ado, um, we're going to get started here today. And I'm going to pray really quick and then we're going to watch a video. And we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to start with some young kids, and, and which we love baptizing kids. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for today. Be in this service, and we are so grateful for the miracle of baptism. In your name, we pray. Amen. Today, I think it's the right
1: day. To be new life in Christ, because so you have God is in your heart, and
2: that's pretty much I call the whole. So. Come on up, Jonathan. Oh, there he is. It's a miracle.
1: Jonathan, based on your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and your acceptance of him as your personal Savior and Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
2: Jesus, get rid of your old self and um, get used to your new self. Um, I want to be baptized because um, during devotions I saw people um, getting baptized and I decided that I wanted to be baptized.
1: Mikey, based on your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and your acceptance of him as your personal Savior and Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
2: For me, it means like to follow God and. Be on God's side and trust God. Well the reason why I want to get baptized is because I want to be God's um child and like I wanna follow God and like I wanna keep like reading the Bible every single day, no matter what, and praying every single day, morning and night. <laughs>
1: Jaylene, based on your profession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your acceptance of him as a son of God, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good job.
0: To me, being made new means that I'm getting saved by God and I want to show God my faith. I decided to get baptized today because I want to show God that I trust Him and I want to be a follower and a child of God. I want Him to um, help me with my life and I want Him to know that I totally
1: believe in Him. Michaela, based on your profession of faith, your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: having a personal relationship with God and choosing to follow his directions instead of following the crowd. I wanted to get baptized today to publicly profess my faith for myself because I was only ever baptized as a baby.
1: (laughs) Megan, based on your profession of faith, your confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good job.
0: Uh, is something that I'm really excited about. It's something that I've been wanting to do for some time Um, and today was the perfect opportunity Um, and doing it with my husband by my side uh, is even more special to me because I feel like we've been growing so much together um, as Christians over the years. Um, It symbolizes a new beginning. I I look forward to sharing it with my children someday to show that that opening their hearts to God can change you change your life. One of the biggest life-changing events for me where I could feel God's love and God working um, in my life was when my husband and I um, became pregnant with our daughter Michaela. Um, She going from one appointment to the next um, and being delivered such scary news that she might not survive pregnancy or pass birth because of her rare condition really um, had me leaning towards faith and praying that he would protect her through it all. He's answered our prayers, and we can see God's love through her, and um, I trust in God's plan.
1: Emily, based on your profession of faith, your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
2: you, Jesus. To me, being made new in Christ is to shed the parts of life that keep you from having a closer relationship with God, a chance for a fresh start and to be made new. I'm getting baptized today to show the Lord my commitment uh, to follow His path that He's laid out for my life, to know that I'm forgiven for my sins and that nothing can separate me
1: from His love. Okay, go forward a little bit. Michael, based on your profession of faith, your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Of God. <laughs> I think you can see what a beautiful illustration of what. It is to yield to God. You, you saw that every person who came here to be baptized, they they yielded, they trusted, and uh, a, a lot. Some people avoid baptism because they're just scared. They're just frightened of. Uh, I've never held anyone under or anything all these years. <laughs> I've never lost anybody. Uh, I lost a lady's wig one time, <laughs> but I never lost anybody. But uh, that. What if, you, what if you came to God and you yielded to him like that, to the Holy Spirit? And you say, okay, Father, I'm going to go and I'm going to trust. If you could trust a, a man like me to get you back up out of the water, you could trust God way more than that. But God, I'm not going to worry about what happens to me. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to open my life up to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to begin a new walk today. Just like I started a walk with Christ, I want to begin a walk with the Holy Spirit. You haven't changed religions. You haven't changed gods. It's a deeper, deeper uh, path into God. As we said a couple of weeks ago, it's, they play a different role. It's like uh, water, is, uh, water is liquid, ice, and steam. It's, just, it's all water. And the Holy Spirit is a different dimension of God. And I'm gonna invite you in just a few seconds. I'm gonna ask you to stand up and everybody who says, I want to enter the fullness of the Spirit for my life. I want to invite the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite that engagement. And maybe some of you who used to just the thing about the the thing about spirit is not a one time thing. You don't have to get saved every week. But you gotta get filled with the spirit often. You know why? Because you leak that's why the, the word in Ephesians five eighteen where it says be filled with the spirit actually the actual uh, words there are to keep on being filled so you're not doing something today well I'm going to do this and get this would like, like you join. you know you got your Eagle Scout thing and you're an Eagle Scout now no you're, you're beginning a journey of life in the spirit and you have a church community it's so important if, if this life in the spirit That you stay involved in the church community is so important. But I just want to invite you now. now, Let's all stand. I want everybody who would say to me, Pastor Phil, I want to receive all that God has for me. And I want to walk in the power of the Spirit. I want you just to step forward and come as close as you can. I'm sure you're going to be down the aisles, but come on, let's do it.